Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast, where I bring you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. Ryan Tansom here. Today's guest's name is John Brown. John Brown is the original father of this exit planning industry that has been evolving over the last few decades. In the mid 80s, he was approached when he was an attorney by a couple business owners that wanted to exit their business and they wanted to exit it like as in this week. And he realized that there was so many factors that needed to go into preparing a business and a business owner for transition. So John owns the Business Enterprise Institute, which is referred to as BEI. And John dives into his methodology that he helps train exit planners and the the actual step-by-step process that they take in order to take a business owner through transition. And he starts by describing the three universal goals that every entrepreneur needs to answer before they can even start building a plan. And then we dive into the seven-step process that is used in the exit planning process. And John, give some great examples and some numbers that actually make this applicable in a real life scenario. So I hope you enjoy the interview with John Brown. He's got a ton of information that's very practical for you, no matter where you are in the life cycle of your business or in your stage of planning. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by The Valley Advantage. The Valley Advantage is a platform delivered via peer groups and or one-on-one to help you build a valuable company that can thrive without you while putting an exit plan in place so you have the options to sell when you want to who you want for how much you want. You're able to manage the business by the numbers, work in the business as much or as little as you want, and you fully understand how the business impacts your personal financials. If you want to know more, check out the show notes or the website. Without further ado, here's John Brown. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Thank Glad you. to be on. Thank you so much for coming on this show. I'm really excited. Um, you have built quite uh, a company, and you're uh, an amazing thought leader in this industry, and your your couple books are fantastic. And for our listeners, I want to go back to the day that you decided to jump into exit planning and leave the estate planning world. So elaborate on that, would you? (laughs) Well, that takes us back a long, long time. It was probably back in the mid-1980s. I'd been practicing law uh, in Denver, Colorado. I'd co-founded the law firm that worked with business owners. And we did estate planning for business owners and all the things you do, let lawyers do for business owners. But that was really our little niche. And one day, uh, two brothers came in. Uh, and sat down. I'd done their estate plans for them. They they'd owned a construction company. It had maybe 150 employees. So back then, that was a that was a big construction company in Denver. And uh, they said, "Hey, John, you know, you did our estate planning for us. We're wondering if you could help us plan to leave our business." And I thought, "Gee, these guys are pretty young. They're only like in their late 40s." Uh, and I said, well, I, I think I can help you. Of course, I had no idea of what to do. I mean, this, that whole, this whole thing of exit planning was something that we developed later on uh, as a result of this conversation I had. So I said, uh, yeah, I think I can help you. When would you like to leave? And they said, Friday. 
And, and I thought, well, I think maybe there's an unmet need here in the marketplace. And so I, I came from a family of business owners, and my dad sold, and my dad and mom sold their business, and they weren't successful in that exit. It didn't work out at all. Um, so I really thought this is something that I want to do. I mean, estate planning was okay, but it it becomes pretty repetitive, um, and you can't help owners in – this is my thinking. Estate planning attorneys would certainly disagree, but I couldn't help owners in estate planning as much as I could help them develop a plan based on what they want to achieve to someday leave their business. And that was kind of the origin of all that. I know that's a long-winded answer, but that really drives our company, BEI, today. Our mission still is to help owners benefit from their lives' work. That That's what we focus on every day. Um, I love it because I've had personal experiences with, you know, you get, you get a little bit of siloed advice if you're not looking at the whole picture. And to go back to your one um, comment, which is the unmet need. So obviously there was this time of Friday that they wanted to leave. But as you are moving away from estate planning and into the exit planning, what what did you, how would you define that unmet need? Well, back then I didn't even know what that need was or how unmet it was. I just knew that that I really hadn't given any thought. I hadn't read anything about helping owners plan for the day when they leave their business. So I, I just went with the flow and started to work with business owners. So you, most of them came in for some business legal need or an estate plan, but I would always ask them, have you ever given any thought to someday leaving your business? Which is still a question we encourage our members to ask. And uh, here's one other quick story. So I think the next owner that I asked this question to after my experience with these two co-owners who wanted to leave on Friday, about six months later, this really old guy came in. I mean, he must have been 60, right? Uh, and since I was probably 35 at the time, I thought he was ancient. Uh, and so I thought, boy, if these two younger guys wanted to leave on Friday, this guy probably wants to leave today. So I said, I said, Frank, you know, have you given any thought to you leaving your business someday? And he said, yeah, I have. I said, well, when did you, when would you like to leave? And he said, I'm never going to leave my business. I love it. They're going to have to drag me out by my heels from behind my desk after I drop dead. And I thought, wow, this exit planning process really has a lot of potential now. So um, the need that business owners have is very individual. Every owner is going to have their own set of, we call them goals and aspirations, but you could also describe it as a need perhaps. Everybody's going to have maybe some generally universal goals, but precisely what they want to do and when they want to do it is going to be different for everybody. So uh, in the world of exit planning from a professional standpoint now, it is so exciting. It's so challenging because everybody is different. Well, in in your book, uh, Exit Planning, The Definitive Guide, which I absolutely loved, I think you from start to finish cover all the things and you don't get too technical but you address everything to make you know the owner aware of all the moving pieces and parts but you you start off the book with the three universal goals and you kind of touched on it just there can you explain what you mean by these universal goals and how do they differ from person to person so the 
when I first started developing exit planning, I really realized that everybody has, every owner has three goals when once they start to think about leaving a business. When do I want to leave the business and what does that mean? You know, do I want to leave on Friday and uh, maybe I want to leave the business but not, but not transfer ownership? So that what does that mean for an owner? Um, how much money, how much income do I want for the rest of my life and probably my spouse's life after I leave the business, after I've lost control of the business, how much income do am I going to want to have for as long as we live? And who do I want to transfer the business to? So it's, you know, how much, when, and to whom. Those are the three universal goals I think every owner thinks about. Well, and what's interesting, I it kind of correlates to I always, when I'm talking to um, individuals and owners, it, if you've got time, financial stability and energy, you can kind of slice and dice it any way you want. But can you almost dive one layer deep, deeper into that and, and explain the, how all of these are kind of correlated? And when you pull one lever, you might have to give up some uh, parts of the other ones. And I know that you probably, ex- I mean, I know you do you describe a lot more of in your in your book, but can you explain on the, the high level how there's, there's things that are give and take in each of these? Yeah, let me... There's a couple things, Ryan, I can think of, a couple ways of explaining it. And uh, one is fairly brief, and the other one goes to the heart of what is exit planning in our minds. So let let me start with the brief one. Mm -hmm. The first one is, let's say a business owner comes into an advisor, comes in and talks to you because you're uh, an exit planning advisor, and and they say, well, you know, Ryan, I'd like to leave my business in four years. I'd like to have $250,000 a year of income for the rest of my life and my wife's life after I leave the business. And I want to transfer it to my son, who's in his sixth year of undergrad at the University of Minnesota with a double French poetry and English (laughs) literature major. And I'm going to want him to come in and take over my construction company. Well, that's quite the you know, picture. <laughs> yeah, there's quite the picture, but it, it, that's maybe exaggerating quite no, a bit. I but like you, it. you get you get the idea that these goals that people have, that owners have, often can't conflict with one another, and that's one reason that owners often don't move forward with the exit planning process because they don't see a way to resolve that difficulty. So the way not to confront it is to ignore it entirely and not do anything, which, of course, just delays and compounds the problem. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one way I'm answering it. The other way really gets to the exit planning process, the way that, that my company, BEI, trains advisors uh, to to use when they work with business owners. And we start out with understanding what the owner's resources are. And there's, I'll just be very brief on this in general. The resources we have, the financial resources owners have, are their personal investments. It's the value of their business, and it's the cash flow capability of their business. And we need to know what that is today as the basis for future planning, and we need to know it with accuracy. So we're not ten- we have a tendency not to rely on the owner. We want to work with a financial planner. We want to work with somebody who has valuation experience to give us an idea 
of the value of the business and probably the CPA to give us an idea of what the current and projected cash flow is. So we're looking to advisors uh, for that information uh, always. And that's, again, one of the hallmarks of, of our exit planning is that we're going to develop a team of advisors that are going to be facilitated and coordinated by an exit planning trained advisor. So as that's going on, we also then want to work with the owner's goals, the three universal goals. When do I want to leave? How much money do I want to have? Who to whom do I want to leave the business? And there are a whole set of other aspirational goals that we can talk about at some point, like uh, maintaining the culture of the business and the legacy and benefiting the community, the employees, and those those goals actually often drive the pace of the exit. Oh, but it, oh sorry, but go ahead. Just to, to finish this off, and you'll see how this then fits into how we do the exit plan. Once we know what the owner has, once we know what the owner wants, then we figure out, is there a gap? So to go back to my earlier example, somebody wants to leave in four years, they want $250,000 of income, they want to transfer the business to family. We know based on the resources they have today that they need to grow the the capital that they'll, they'll need for the owners to retire by let's say $2 million in four years. Well, that then starts to determine how the exit plan can be designed because we know uh, if the business is worth $3 million today, in four years it needs to be worth $5 million. We have to grow the value by $2 million over the following four years. How do we do that? That's the rest of the exit plan. Got it. And, you know, I, I think it's a, a you're spot on because you're starting with what really matters and I you know just our, our personal experience as I kind of alluded to right before we started the call was you know because we had a lack of time we had to make sacrifices on some of our goals where I had I had personally helped turn around the business and I had hired a lot of employees and a lot of these people were my friends and I didn't want to necessarily watch them all get fired so selling to a local competitor is a struggle because it it, it didn't line up with my aspirational goals of legacy and watching out for my employees but we had to do that because of our time sacrifice and our financial stability that my dad's main goal was and so it was explain how when you're when you're balancing these aspirational universal goals into the financial picture how are you navigating the conversations with owners as they're trying to essentially get a, a snapshot of reality well, the first thing that, um, again, so what BEI is, we don't represent business owners. We only work with business advisors, lawyers and CPAs and financial planners and M&A people and so on. We, and we provide training to them and support for them. Uh, so that's the, the approach we take. So, so what we do then is we – have our advisors, first of all, ask a lot of questions. Um, the the CEO, I'm sorry, the president of BEI right now is Elizabeth Moore. She's an, an attorney and, an, and has her MBA. Um, and she really developed a lot of the questioning techniques to use. And so what we, the first thing we really do, and this sounds like I'm off course, but what we help the owner do through questioning is understand, help the owner understand what he or she really, really wants and or needs to achieve as a result of transitioning out of ownership. 
most owners, in my experience, have, don't even know how to thoroughly think through all of the issues. And so the first thing that an exit planning advisor does is just to help them get a very sound and fundamental basis of what it is they really want and need. And because there are the conflicts you so well talk, just talk, talked about happen all the time. I want financial security, but I don't want to let that my management go, who I understand is holding back the growth of the company to some extent. So how do we deal with that? And, and so you have conversations. Uh, you might bring in other, other advisors, but essentially this is the decision the owner wants to make. And then the last thing I'll do um, is to say that exit planning from our perspective is owner-centric. So it's not motivated if I'm an M&A advisor and I'm doing exit planning. The goal is not to sell the business to a third mm-hmm. party. It's to see what the owner wants to do and then to design and implement a plan that achieves the owner's goals. So, and the owner's goals will change as time goes on. They can, they can evolve. Okay, so you just struck a chord with me that I'm very passionate about, which is it is owner-centric. And, you know, what I, what I struggled with when, I, when we had our advisors in, in front of us and none of them were exit planners because I know the, the industry is evolving so fast. But how do you – if you're these advisors, because I'm seeing all these advisors getting certifications in the marketplace, and I think it's just going to end up confusing the business owners and our listeners even more because there are there's the, the base fact that these advisors only get paid the way they get paid. So I might go get my exit planning certification, but I still only make money if I sell the business, or I only make money if I bill hours or do audits. So how do you reconcile all that through your training of these advisors? Well, our training is is much, much more intensive and involved than any other training professional advisors can get uh, regarding exit planning, I believe, in the world. Um, as a result of that, through the usually hundreds of hours of training. It's usually a minimum of 120 to 150 hours of training just to understand the exit planning processes and the and the software that can be used to help create exit plans and things like that. Uh, and as a result of being able to create, our members can create a written exit plan that lays out the owner's goals and aspirations, the resources they have, the gap, how they're going to grow business value and cash flow, how they're going to protect the business from business risk, how they're going to minimize income taxes upon a transfer of the business, how they're going to either sell it to a third party, sell it to an ESOP, sell it to management team or a co-owner or give it to the kids, and what happens if they die too soon in all of this process. All of that needs a written exit plan. It's going to involve typically six to ten advisors that need to be facilitated and coordinated by the, the trained exit planning advisor. All of that planning and all that implementation as evidenced through a written plan containing the recommendations of all these different advisors, our member charges a fee for. Got it. And that fee is enough money for the advisor, and every advisor charges the way they want to. Uh, we have a fee schedule they, they can at least look at, or a, a fee estimator, I should say, not a fee schedule. So that 
fee that they charge for that is enough money so that if that's all they do, they're happy. Got it. So you're not they're not quote unquote working for free to ultimately push them down the road to do yeah. whatever, whatever it is that is, you know, good for them. I guess in that's a, right. Well, and hopefully it you know hopefully it's good for the client as well. But and that's one of the two one of the two obvious problems is that if I'm an advisor and the only way I make money is by doing why I'm going to find a way for you business owner to do why mm-hmm. that's one thing but the other th- problem that it raises is that all you're going to do business owner is why all these other opportunities different exit paths different strategies involving different professions I'm not going to write, go, go into that because I probably don't know anything about it and secondly it detracts from my ability to make money off of selling you why mm-hmm. so it's a very narrow scope uh, and and I think it ends up being a disservice to the business owner so if a business owner goes through one of these plans or if they're doing it correctly just for our listeners, what kind of time are they looking at as far as doing the planning, executing the planning, and working on the transition plan that they have? And um, what are the biggest misperceptions or the you know epiphanies that they have as they work through that? Do you think? Well, the first uh, the planning would begin with understanding the the very first part. It's almost like fact gathering. What what are your resources? What do you want to accomplish? What's the gap? So that gives us the base of knowledge, fact-based knowledge of how to then design the exit plan. It could be that the owner says, you know what, this sounds great, Ryan, but all I'm, what, what I've got to do right now is I've got to find a way to keep my key employees in the company so that they don't leave and go to a competitor. Or I want to start transferring ownership to my my." my daughter because she is key to the company and if I don't do that she's going to leave. So the exit plan might be fairly narrow in what we're doing initially. It might be just to solve that one major urgent issue the owner has. And we in our in our lingo we call that, you know, it's it's basically a a component plan. It's some parts of the exit, overall exit plan process that are just going to be addressed first. So that's one way of looking at it. Then we can add other components, maybe the estate planning, the business continuity planning at a later date because we'll have the base knowledge of what do you want, what do you have, and what's the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, but that if it's going to be a more complete exit plan where we're looking at all the different steps, not, you know, the third step of growing and preserving value and minimizing taxes as well as the exit path and and so on, usually the planning process takes three to six months to get everything done. Uh, It can be done more quickly. Uh, It can take longer. Um, A lot of the delay is often caused by just getting the initial information and things like that. Uh, once the we have that information, it can go fairly quickly if the owner has a pretty good idea of what she wants to accomplish. Uh, it can go three to six months. And but then, as even as we're doing this, it's going to tr- this exit plan, which again is a roadmap. The owner now knows who has to do what by when to accomplish the owner's 
goals. So there's dozens and dozens of action steps, all with deadlines and what advisor is going to do what by when type of thing. That's what this exit plan is. We know what has to happen. Well, the second part then is is making it happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be six months to a year if the business is ready to be sold, it has the value, and the owner's ready to leave. It could happen as fast as six months or a year. Uh, most businesses are not ready to be exited, even though the owner may be ready to leave. <laughs> and, and that might take five or ten years. And I, I like to tell them, you know, for most inside transfers, uh, which is selling to anybody other than the third party who has cash, it, it's a multi-year implementation process and transfer of ownership over time process. But um, the bottom line is is the plan is designed to achieve the owner's goals. Um, what What is some of the biggest, you know, if an owner's going through this, because it's the, probably the first time he's ever or she's ever looked at the whole picture in one conversation what are some of the biggest epiphanies that people have that you see um that's a good question i it's so individualized i think one of the big realizations that owners have is that the business is not worth nearly as much as they thought it was or they're not going to be able to sell it to an outside third party and get as much cash net after taxes and all the other expenses as they thought they they were. So as a result, that can prevent them from engaging in the planning process soon enough. The other big epiphany at the outset of the planning process is owners don't realize how much capital they're going to investment capital they're going to need to replace the stream of income they were receiving as a successful business owner. And I, I actually write a lot about this. I've got uh, a blog. I've got three blogs that I write um, and podcasts that I give. A lot of what I'm doing right now is talking about this. And, and let me give you a quick example of of uh, article I just wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, business owner has a business, uh, it's worth, let's say, $2.5 million. And so to get the business to be worth $2.5 million, the EBITDA, the earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization, or the cash flow, or maybe the pre-tax profits is a number of different ways, number of different ways to look at, that would be you know roughly five hundred dollars to $600,000 a year. Plus, most owners with a business that valuable are taking two hundred and dollars to $400,000 a year out of the business in terms of compensation and perks. Um, that's a pretty typical business. So the owner right now is getting you know, somewhere between $750,000 and a million dollars a year. They may not be taking all of that out of the company. They may need to leave a lot of the EBITDA into the company to grow it. But it's available to them. Mm-hmm. Now the owner sells the business. Now let, let's just assume for simplicity there's no other assets that the owner has. This is 100% of the owner's assets, which I realize is not 100% accurate. So now the owner sells his business or her business for $2.5 million, and they pay you know, $500,000 in capital gains taxes and, and costs of sale and so on, which would probably be – and actually probably be a higher number than that. But the owner nets $2 million. 
Well, I believe, Ryan, you are a financial planner. Yep, that is, is that correct? Yep, that's part of our business. Uh, so you have an owner who says, I now have $2 million. This money has to last for the rest of my life and my wife's life for both age 60 and in good health. What kind of withdrawal rate, Ryan, would you suggest they consider? They got 80 grand coming out of there at a 4% withdrawal. Yeah, that's and that's right in the ballpark of everything I'm hearing from all of our financial advisors. So you had an owner who was taking out Two hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand in compensation had another five hundred thousand dollars available, and now Ryan, you're telling him he can rely on eighty thousand dollars for the rest of his life. Yeah, right. <laughs> that well, yeah, those yeah, boats and the cars and the cabins and all that fun stuff yeah. and the trips and. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's my definition of an epiphany. <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, we we had our own unfortunate epiphany when my dad and I, when I was saying to you, when we were not able to participate in that roll-up because it was like, oh my gosh, we got this business that's worth nothing. But we, I mean, we were lit and we had some really cool stuff, <laughs> you know, and we had yeah. some good lifestyle, but we didn't have the sustainable pie chart that kicks off cash to maintain that. That's right, and and that's uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, one is the fact that you know, generally speaking, bond rates are very low. Uh, the stock market over the last fifteen or twenty years actually hasn't grown very much. Right now, it's growing, but you know, six or seven years ago, it was growing in the wrong direction. Um, so you take the, you know, the not the stagnant economy, but the economy that's unlikely to grow very rapidly for a long time. And you contrast that with then with the multiples one can achieve when you sell a closely held business versus what you what the stock market is doing, and you have this huge disparity in in income. So the so what's necessary to bridge that gap is for owners to start working right now, even if they're not thinking of leaving the business for five or 10 years and really understand what their lifestyle is that they want to have after they leave the business, which for most owners, and again, in our experience, is to just simply maintain what they're doing now. If they have a nice lifestyle now, most owners want to maintain that lifestyle. So we have to understand what that is. We have to understand how much capital we're going to need from the business both in sale proceeds as well as cash flow and other things, and look at what our personal investments are. And we're going to have to design and execute a transition plan, an exit plan, to accomplish this goal of accumulating sufficient capital, whatever that is. And it's different for every person. And that's what takes, as I mentioned earlier, often five or ten years. Well, and I I think you – you got the to the core of it perfectly, and you know one of the things that we struggled with when we had the the six years ish that we were trying to figure out how to make our company worth more money. And I think you know if if you can elaborate on how because there's these value drivers in, in our practice we use John Warlow's value building system where there's there knowing why the business is going to be worth something to someone else. And it's not just driving revenue and reducing costs because there's a lot of different factors that actually make your business worth something to bridge that gap. So to be aware of those things, can you elaborate on some of the, um, some of the tools or the understanding in your practice and how they can understand what those are? Sure. So we have something we call value drivers and we 
gleaned those value drivers from working with private equity uh, funds and, and asking those people, what do you look for uh, when you're considering the per acquisition of a closely held business? And so those value drivers, and they're, you know, I think we have a lot of detail on them, but they're basically the same wherever you go. It's things like recurring cash flow, increasing cash flow, great systems and operations, a great management team, and there's a variety of other value drivers. Mm-hmm. And in our system, our members ask questions to, to ferret out which value drivers are stronger and uh, which value drivers may need work. And, and, and again, our members aren't experts in this. They call on business consultants and other people as part of the team to help determine what that is. Because they typically aren't going to have a great understanding themselves, no more than the owner. But if I would back up from value drivers into what I think are the two biggest factors that either allow a business to grow rapidly or stagnate the business, it is the owner's role in the business and the capability of the management team. Mm-hmm. So what we have a concept that we call transferable value. And what that means is that when you want to transfer ownership, I, I don't care to whom or to what, the you will get more value for your business if the business, if you can leave the, as, if you the owner can leave the business today with minimal disruption to its future cash flow. That is our definition of transferable value, that the owner no longer is essential or meaningful to the ongoing operation and production of cash flow of the company. Mm -hmm. And for many businesses, the owner at some point who was instrumental in starting the business and helping it grow, but they've reached, you know, the Peter principle. They can't grow it anymore by themselves, even though they're working harder than ever. Uh, they're, they're not letting go of the reins of authority and, and they're not delegating enough. So that's one issue that we work with. And the other is the management team, frankly. It, um, we see businesses uh, all of the time where there was good growth for five or 10 or maybe even 15 years and then the business has more or less uh, stagnated. Mm-hmm. And once we do the start the exit plan, we realize, hey, this business has got to grow by 30% a year for the next four years to reach our goal. We can't have a business that's growing at 3% a year. What's going to have to change? Well, the owner may have to change his or her role. But the management team, we, we look at very closely in exit planning, and we'll bring in experts if we need to. We have tools to evaluate this. Uh, what is their capability? Can we bring in somebody to train them to uh, and educate them and support them to help grow the business? Or do we need to bring in a different management team? Maybe not fire the people who are working for the owner, but move them into a less critical role. Because the only way you can grow a business, I'm convinced, most businesses, unless you've invented something, uh, is the management has to be able to grow the business at the rate the exit plan tells us it has to grow and the owner has to cooperate in that process by changing his or her her role. So we look a lot at that. Well, and I think it's so important just even knowing what you just said because 
there is the, the alternative that I've heard so many times in the past is, you know, go back to your example of I needed, you know, I needed an extra $2 million for my company to maintain my situation. Well, I'm just going to keep my business for the next two years and then I've got more money than I would have been offered today. So your alternative is just to keep it for an extra amount of years, accumulate the cash, and now you've just you just ran the scenario, but there's actually a way to drive the value instead of just staying as is. So staying, I think there's just, just knowing that there's a way out. Yeah, I think that, and I think that's a good point. I think that is the thinking of a lot of owners. And I'd break that down into maybe a couple of different ways. One is to do exactly that, just keep going. The other would be, uh, I'm not sure I want to leave my business right away. I'm content to continue to own it, but I could get a lot more enjoy. We suggest this to owners. You could enjoy your business a lot more if you would bring in a capable management team that you still oversee, that you still are the stra- uh, strategic thinker in many ways, and and make sure that the mission of the business, the values of the business, and the direction of the business continue as you would want it to go. But you're not in control of a lot of the details. And I think that's what tires businesses, business owners out. They get tired of doing the same thing for 15 or 20 years. <laughs> and, and we have a way to say, hey, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You can bring in a, a management team that has more experience. At their, we call, them, call it next-level management. So these are this might be a management team. If you have a $10 million company that you recruit from a $50 million company, and maybe in the same, the same competitive sect- sector or not, but they're going to have ideas, contacts, relationships that the smaller company will never have, and they can take this business to the next level. Of course, that then brings in the whole issue of, how do we motivate them? How do we keep them? Is it with stock? Is it with cash? Is it some combination? But that's what exit planning is all about. Now it really gets fun for the owner. Well, and it's okay, so it's, I love what you said, and I completely agree because that's what actually was part of the things that changed our business around. And I think the way that you and people in the industry are starting to break this down, which I think is fantastic. If it's five years, you need to go at 30% and you've got an idea of how much you're going to increase your business. I mean, it's one stock that you're moving the needle. And if you can, because I think the challenge is when you, when you're, when you don't realize that you're trying to drive that end value, all you're looking at is cash flow. So for us, we had an $80,000 controller that was not intelligent. And for, (laughs) and for, and you know, we had, I was, in the middle of ripping and replacing our accounting package and we had a lot of inventory, a lot of SKUs, a lot of different moving parts and you quickly realize how incapable they are. But to go hire a $150,000 CFO and pay 50 grand for a recruiting fee and then also replace, I mean, we you know, we probably added quarter million dollars to the payroll just in, an, in, the, in finance. And so to look what, where that return comes from is so important because otherwise, why would you go hire the, the next level management team? Absolutely. So Peter Drucker, who's the most well-known and, and most respected management consultant probably in the history of management consulting, um, he was a very, very wise guy. And I was reading one of his books, and he made the statement that it's important for entrepreneurial business owners, our clients, to hire top flight management before you can afford them. 
which is just what you told me you did. And his point, and, and it's to both of our points, is it, you've got to do this. You have to make this change. If if you're not going to change and your management, management team is not going to change and you're not growing at the pace you have to grow at, uh, what are you going to do? When you get what you pay for. I mean, it sounds yeah. really, um, you know, but, I mean, it's people, but you do get what you pay for. I mean, when I was building out the IT services, I, I was given a budget by the one and only my father of how we wanted to go about doing this because we were diversifying our, our services, et cetera. And it was like 75 grand to hire a CIO for helping me build out the IT service. Well, guess what? You can't hire a CIO at that. And so I yeah. went two years, lost opportunity and a bunch of expenses before we finally went to a recruiting firm and, and got an absolute rock star and lo and behold, three months later, we won the Minnesota Wilds IT services. So there, there's, you can see the benefit, but man, did that hurt when we went and wrote that check. Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah, and what an, a written exit plan will do, had you had one, is you would know how much next year does this, does the revenue have to increase? Does the profitability have to increase? How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to bring in a management team. Let's for, this would be the solution you guys did. And we're going to create an incentive package that provides the management team, maybe it's a salesperson, the head of the sales department, whatever, with the amount, with a bonus, either in cash or stock, that will motivate this person to reach the level of performance and exceed it, hopefully, the company has to have by the end of this next year. And we'll do that for each of the next several years until we've achieved the value we need to achieve. So all of this internal planning for growth and protecting the business, all of that is going to center around what business owner you have to accomplish to leave the business on your terms. So then how do you reverse back in industry variables, market variables, et cetera. So, you know, if you go back to your, your the example we've been using of 30% a year for five years, uh-huh. what if you're in the, you know, the video rental business, you know what I mean? How do you adjust, you know, the asset gap with the market and the business and the capabilities and the financials of, you know, the funding behind the capital structure behind the business, like banking, et cetera. How do you kind of, um, align all those things? Well, I don't think the exit planner does that. Because we just aren't going to have the industry knowledge to do that. We would say that's something the owner and the owner's management team has to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, a, a, somebody who's a lawyer in an exit planning, for example, or a financial planner who does exit planning, we're not, we're not going to know the details of any particular business. We will know the process that has to be used. We can line out the steps that have to occur and when it when they have to occur and who's going to be in charge of it. So all of those things you ask, uh, those would all be ownership or management mm-hmm. questions. It may be that we bring in a management consultant who would have that knowledge and be part of the team, or leverage the uh, trade association or something. Because well, I mean, every trade, every every industry has kind of got benchmarks of how fast it's growing, et cetera, Right. So you can, and that's yeah. the, that's really the job of being an owner, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, right. And, the, and benchmarking is good. It's going to tell you what you have to do. It's not going to tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and again, so I, we we have a lot of business consultants who are BEI members, and because that's how they can. They can see that as their contribution, and they can be really important. Um, 
and a lot of really well-managed companies that are growing quickly use business consultants in sort of a niche area to help them with the IT or to help them with a new operating system that incorporates certain aspects of the business that they don't quite know how to do that. So mm-hmm. um, it's in the long run, it's a lot less expensive to, as you're right, to go out and hire this, what we call this next level uh, of professionals. It might be your CPA, it might be your lawyer, it might be your CFO, but you've got to really have the right people if you're going to drive the business forward as fast as it's got to go. Well, John, I know uh, I'm conscious of time here, and I'm assuming you and I could go on for a long, long time. So let's if there's one thing you want to reemphasize on all the topics we've covered, would there be one thing you want to reiterate for our listeners? Um, one I would what I would comment on is we just finished our 2016 business owner survey, and we haven't completed the report. We just we just got the survey results and it indicates that 80% of owners would like to leave the business within the next 10 years. About you know, 50 or 60% of those would like to leave in three to 10 years, and about a third would like to leave in the next within the next three years. So owners are conscious of this. But we also ask a question. Uh, if you could leave the business today and have financial security would you leave the business 75 percent said yes oh my gosh yeah and uh, this we had we interviewed several hundred we had several hundred responses um uh, in this survey so it was uh, the margin of errors i think uh, plus or minus six percent six percent so what this tells me is that owners are thinking about leaving we all almost all of us want to leave in the next 10 years and most of us would leave right now if we had financial security. So, and the other interesting statistic is that 80% of the owners realized that the best way for them to leave the business on their terms was by understanding all the steps that they need to do to plan and to then to act, which we would call an exit plan, but only 17% have done so. So, if owners want to leave the business on their terms, they have to basically take the next step, which is to contact somebody who has is familiar and experienced in this whole exit planning process. And your point, Ryan, everybody can call themselves an exit planner today. So you know, talk to your current advisors, business owners, see who they would recommend, do research online, um, talk to Ryan. Uh, and, <laughs> nice and you will, <laughs> uh, but but do your research. Find out the people who have the best process and the most experience and the most tools to help you, business owner, uh, exit the business when you want, for the money you need, and to the person you choose. John, thank you so much for coming on. If there's a way that our listeners can get in touch with you, what would it be? Well, the first thing I would suggest is to uh, just go to our website, exitplanning.com, and take a look at the resources available and get a better understanding of what exit planning is. We have newsletters. We have white papers. We have books. Uh, we have You can contact various BEI members. We'll have a BEI member wherever you are, business owner in the United States or Canada, uh, most likely. Um and go from there, but just, but don't delay. I I think 
time is marching on and most business owners aren't. John, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Ryan. It was a pleasure.